Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. Andrew Muscov here, joined by our Newcastle United editor Aaron Stokes. We're on our way back to England. We're currently on a train from Dusseldorf to Frankfurt, and then we're flying back into Birmingham before making our way back up to sunny Tyneside. We're going to reflect on Newcastle's 2-0 defeat to Borussia Dortmund in the Champions League um, last night. Aaron and I were having a conversation about our thoughts on the game. Aaron initially thought that Newcastle United were quite poor. Bruce Dortmund, good value for the win. Aaron, in the 12, 14, 15 hours that we've had since that conversation, has your mindset changed at all? Well, just before we dive into the, the, the post-match talk, I just want to give the, the listeners a little bit more context about where we are right now. Because as you say, we're on a train. And when we got on the train, there was a little bit of a crying baby. And Andrew, the new dad, knew instantly. He was like, no, no, don't worry, Aaron. In about 10 minutes, she'll get fed and the baby will be fine and it'll be quiet and we'll do the pod. And lo and behold, it's happened. So if there is any background noises, you know why. Um, but we thought we had to bring this podcast, even though it was quite a disappointing defeat last night, wasn't it? Um, poor performance, I thought, last night. I, I don't think my mind's really changed on that. I think Eddie Howe said he was disappointed um, when we spoke to him after the game. and I think he'll still feel like that now, I think. Over the two games, Newcastle didn't show enough going forward. Um, Dortmund, you know, won with these last night. Newcastle were the architects of their own downfall. Um, and as we're going to talk about, and as everyone really knows, the group now has just been, you know, completely flipped on its head. It's interesting, isn't it? Because the definition of disappointment is one I think we need to talk about. I think my thought on the match was that you'd be disappointed in the way you conceded the goals because they were totally avoidable Newcastle United you were right they were architects of their own downfall and I just felt disappointed because it didn't reach their true potential it felt a lot like the Cowboy Cup final where you know they've got more to give you know they've got another level to go and it really just it, it felt like a missed opportunity I don't think the players looked overawed by the, the occasion I think they looked quite at home and I think they'll be kicking themselves on the flight back that they didn't make the most of, let's be honest, what was a dormant sign that should have been down the dumps following a thumping off by Munich? Yeah, and, and look, I think some of it, you know, let, let's take a step back and say, right, they're going to one of the fiercest arena in Europe. 
you know, I asked Eddie Howe last night, did he think the yellow wall played a part in the match like St James's Park did against PSG? And he said, no, I don't think it did. But really, when we were sat in the crowd, Newcastle fans, to their credit, were trying. But they were just completely overawed and overpowered and silenced, really, by the yellow wall at the other end and that pesky drum again in the middle of the stand. So, you know, let, let's talk about that. You know, the, it's always going to be a tough place to go, but I think they could have held themselves better in front of goal. That Joel Linton miss is absolutely criminal. And, and you know, those are the five fine margins that we're talking about in a Champions League game like that. Yeah, Jolinton header, which he put wide, really should have scored. If it's Alan Shearer on the end of that, Callum Wilson, Alexander Isaac, it's probably in the back of the net. And Jolinton also had a chance where he just lacked that touch to bring the ball down. He would have been one-on-one. And, and look, I wasn't inside the ground. I was watching from a, a City Centre bar and there was plenty of optimism throughout the game and at the end. And a lot of people saying, remember where we've come from. And I put an article online and I'll speak more about my thoughts on that kind of phrase and, and, and defence. But I didn't feel like... Newcastle United looked out of place. You know, they, they, they had their moments and, and maybe it was just experience was showing or you know, Dortmund are used to playing at this level and are used to playing at this dynamic and they know what it's all about. You know, they've been set up, they've been trained for many years to play in a certain way. Newcastle United are ahead of schedule. And this is all new to most most of the players. But yeah, I, I didn't I didn't leave that game or you know, leave the pub thinking, oh, they they've played poorly. I actually like I say, left thinking they've had a missed opportunity. Yeah, it's interesting because you were you felt quite strongly, didn't you, about somebody saying, "Well, you know, we need to remember where Newcastle United have came from." Because, as you said, how many times can we keep saying that they're in this competition now and they're not here to make up the numbers? If you ask Eddie Howe, um, you know how how far can we keep saying, "Oh, you know, but you've got to remember two years ago where they were." Yes, that's great, but. You know, I, I didn't think they showed their best selves last night or in the first leg um, a couple of weeks ago. And I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. Dortmund look like a side who have been here and done it. Let's not take anything away. They are a really, really good side. They deserve to be top of the group. They've got some fantastic players. Julian Brand last night was absolutely fantastic. Matt Hummels seems like he's about 40 and he's still absolutely fantastic. Their goalkeeper, by the way. If people are looking for a Nick Pope replacement, which just seems to be all the range right now, they could do a lot worse than going for Gregor Kobel, who plays for Borussia Dortmund. Um, they'll learn from it, but look, they'll learn from it. But they've got two games left. They've got to go to PSG and get something which is looking like a really tricky task, given their two home games so far. And I think it's all going to go down to Milan on the final day. We'll get on to what the table looks like and what that means for Newcastle United in a moment. But yes, just on the, the phrase of, you know, remember where we, we, we've come. In the, the article I wrote, I pointed out, you know, it's two years since Eddie Howe took over. The last league game at that time was Brighton 1-1. He was in the stands. And, and Newcastle, let's be honest, looked destined for the championship. Eddie Howe picked up one win against Burnley. The next one didn't come till January the 22nd against Leeds United. So as much as I hate that phrase, it's maybe excusable to use in the context that, yes, OK, look, Champions League, here we are, when we could have been in the Championship. It is an amazing turnaround. But I think if you're Eddie Howe, I think you'll be, I think you'll be sick of hearing from where we've come from because you need to be looking forward. And I think, as I say, Newcastle United didn't look out of place. I think they looked at home on the stage. They just didn't reach their, their, their true potential and I think we've just got to embrace the fact that actually Newcastle United are here to stay, there's a long term plan and they look ready to, to be here for a long time and I just think when things go bad, when Newcastle United lose a game to constantly hark back to remember where, where, where we've come from 
at some point we've got to stop that. We've got to stop that because it doesn't help anybody. Yeah, I think you're right, and I think Eddie Howe, more than anyone, will, will agree with you. He's not sat there thinking, oh, well, you know, it doesn't matter where we come in the group because I think where we were two years ago, he thinks, I want to win this group, I want to win every single game. And my players have shown that they can beat these teams. They showed it against PSG. We need that level of performance every week. Now, as I say, you're not going to get that away from home without the crowd behind you. But what I will say is, let's also take a step back and I'm just to play devil's advocate, yes, we're criticising the performance. I don't want to be too negative because that is a squad running on empty. A squad with a, so many injuries, it's ridiculous. 16 senior players, 13 of, sorry, 13 of which were outfield players. Um, a lot of injuries, a lot of tired legs who have played a lot of games. I mean, Trippier last night looks like he was really starting to show his age. Um, sorry, Tri sorry, Trippy, if you're listening. Um, I think they're just, as, as I keep saying, and I don't like to say it, but they need the break that's going to come up. They need to recalibrate. They need to go into PSG with a better game plan, and they need to be more potent in front of goal. Now we've just stopped at a station. Um, we're at Con, so people are getting on. So it might be a bit noisy for the next uh, five minutes or so as people come through the carriage. Um, I mean, I'm not. Like criticising the performance as a whole, like I say, I thought they handled the ball well in possession. They had to be better with it um, to make it pay. What I'm criticising is Newcastle for the two goals, because that first goal had had several chances to clear the ball and didn't do it, and then to gift the the, the forward so much space in the box in the six-yard box essentially. It's, that that's criminal. Second goal, Kieran Trippier. You've got to beat the first man. I mean, the chap sat next to it's in James Park. Uh, will be, um, I think, shouting into his cornflakes because I always make the joke: Will it beat the first man? Will it beat the first man? And it didn't beat the first man. And then Newcastle United were totally opened up. And I think there's a few things that 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 I will the points that I will make is that when you know you can have limited chances, you've got to make the most of possession and you've got to make the most of whatever chances come your way. Joe Linton didn't, Newcastle didn't really do the best with the ball, uh, didn't get the ball in the box from corners, didn't get the ball in the box from free kicks. Um, and also you've just got to defend better, you've got to defend better, um, and they just didn't. And I think there'll be a real frustration in the way they conceded those two goals. I agree, I think the second one more so than the first. Yes, they had the chance to clear the, the lines one or two times for the first, but it was I thought it was a good Dortmund move. Should have really picked Fulkrug up in the centre um, when that ball gets sent across. The second one for me is just so bad on so many levels. Trippier, I thought he had a really poor game last night. I thought his passing was sloppy. That delivery was really, really poor at a time where that could have flipped the game on its head. That's a better delivery and it's over the first man. You're potentially looking at 1-1 and I know that's being optimistic and hopeful and we'll never know. And it's also very, very rare that you actually see the Cash United team getting caught out like they did for that second goal. Livermento, bless him, had a very, very good game, by the way. I just want to say how positive he's been. Um, what a signing they look like they've got. Tino Livermento. There's nothing really much you could have done when Julian Brands running into you like that, and you've got two men to mark. Um, and couple that with the fact that it was a really, really good finish from the man of the match. Um, but I mean, at that point, it was game over, and, and Newcastle with the with the tiredness on shore, they were never, ever, ever getting back into that game. Whether it's the legendary lionesses, grassroots, or expert analysis of the women's leagues, women's football news has it all covered. A brand new monthly magazine packed with news, interviews, and expert opinion. Don't miss Women's Football News. Pick up a copy today from participating retailers. Women's Football is here to stay, and so are we. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. 
When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And Julian Brandt looks like a really excellent player, doesn't he? He's very quick, he's very fast, and they are a good side going forward. And, you know, that that's the issue. We're starting to see the real quality shine through, that if you don't take your chances, if you don't make the most of possession, these quality teams will, will punish you for it because they're clinical and they know exactly how to make possession pay and you don't want to give these top quality players a chance in the box and soon as they went down that the other end after that Korean trip yeah, uh, corner or free kick whatever it was you knew you knew Dortmund were going to score because it was living mental two on one the kid couldn't do anything with it pushes pushes them wide kind of exactly what Brandt won actually he can then shoot across the goal and into the, the far corner I think Eddie Howe will be Analyzing the game, and I think he will. He, he will be. I think he'll be very frustrated. But I think a positive to take from it is that you mentioned there the injuries. You know they've been decimated. Dan Byrne, the ban by Sandro Tonali. Certain managers, I think, would search for excuses, and they've got two or three ready-made excuses. Eddie Howe's not going to do that. You know he's not going to do that. He's going to look at why they lost within the context of the game. Forget about Dan Byrne. Forget about Sandro Tonali. Forget about Alexander Isak. He will want to know why that ball didn't get delivered in the box. Why, when you've got a corner in the first half and you've got Jamal Asaz and Fabian Chen in the box, did you play it short? Why didn't you put it in the... You know, he'd be looking at every little little bit of detail and not be searching for those excuses where previous managers would have said, look, we've got half a team here. Or this is dormant. They're used to it. When you do this, remember where we were. He's not going to be doing that. And that fills me with confidence as a Newcastle United fan before a reporter. Some people would say, I mean, I wouldn't say this, but some people would say it's, it's it's refreshing. Uh, yes, I would say that. I was I thought you were going to name the manager that I was talking no, about. No, 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 no. Some people would say it was refreshing. I wouldn't personally say it, but I think some people would. But you're absolutely right, and I think any other manager would have said, "Oh, well, look at look at the look at the state of that squad at the minute." And you know, you've got double figure absentees and injuries. Um, but Eddie Howe actually says the opposite. He says, this is what we want. You know, These are the type of games we want. We know the schedule is going to be absolutely gruelling, but we wouldn't want it any other way because it proves that we're in the big time. Um, but I think you're right. And I think the fact that they've gone to Dortmund, and yes, they didn't play too well, but they were in the game for a lot of it. They had the chances. But when you think they're missing Isaac and Tenali and Botman and Byrne and... Barnes and I mean so many key players not like they're just you know missing a few players making up the numbers and they're a little bit late on the bench they're missing key men and and they handle themselves well um, but they're going to need a little bit of luck against PSG next time out although they'll take massive confidence from what happened in the first game in the first fixture and they'll also take huge confidence from what happened last night at the San Siro. And I promise we'll get to the table in a second because I can tell Aaron's absolutely itching to talk about the current table in this group where he will undoubtedly sit on the fence. Um, it sounds like you were, about, you were given the excuse there about the injuries. You're making it into an excuse, right? No? No, I'm just saying I think a bit of context needs to be applied. You know, when people say, oh, you know, the, the group, we're out, we're heading out, it was a group of death, blah, blah. They've held themselves okay. I'm not using it as an excuse. Yeah, no, I, I do. I think, yes, I don't think they played badly. They just yeah. played averagely. 
and they and they and they looked so tired. I think that's such a big thing. But that must be so frustrating, like the Carabao Cup final, when you you do look back on you think, oh, we just just didn't get to the level we know we can play at. But as you say, you know, you can't apply the, the context of the injuries. Let's talk about the, the, the team then. You had uh, Trippier at right back and you had Lewis Hall at left back. And I said that on the morning podcast yesterday that I thought that was an option to play Lewis Hall at left back because of his passing. Didn't quite work out. Then at half time, we saw the introduction of Anthony Gordon and Miguel Amion. Anthony Gordon was on the bench because Callum Wilson uh, was up top and on the left hand side he played. On the right hand side, he played Tino Livermento and on the left hand side, he played Joe. Uh, Joe Willick at half time Callum Wilson came off and Lewis Hall came off and Newcastle United looked better they looked better for Gordon and and, and Miron did you think it was the right call to start Miggy and and Gordon on the bench I actually thought he was going to bench Gordon for Arsenal um, rather than last night he did it the other way around but I think he needed options off the bench and he knew he had that in Willick and Gordon um he knew he would probably need some extra firepower in the second half, which they got. They were much better, a lot, you know, a lot better down that right-hand side when Miggy came on. Uh, Livermento, I mean, Livermento played right midfield, right back, and left back last night, and in every single position did really, really well. Feel for Lewis Hall, second Champions League start, second half-time withdrawal. Um, we didn't have any replays in the press box, so you might know a little bit more than me because I haven't seen it back. Was that a booking for him in the first half? It looked very soft from where we were sitting. Oh, it was really, really soft. Uh, there were some choice words said in the pub. No, I mean, the, 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 the Dortmund chap had his arm across Hall's, Hall's chest and then he goes down. It was a, it was very bizarre. But you, you could tell Dortmund it was, were targeting Lewis Hall. And it was, and I, look, it's no surprise that he, he came off, I don't think at all, because Dortmund definitely, I think, targeted him as, as the weak link. Yeah, I felt for a little bit in that first half, but as I say, I think I think that yellow card played a big part of my game off at half time. Eddie Howe knew he couldn't risk going down to ten, um, especially given their current suspensions and injuries. I think you know he, he thought we just need to wrap this player up now and maybe take him out the firing line, um, which is a shame, isn't it? After what's such a strong performance against Manchester United, but I mean he's 19, he's got so much time on his side. Um, Gordon through the middle again, thought he was okay, a lot better through the middle last night than he was at. Uh, Manchester United um, and then there was only one more change made wasn't it it was quite late on Lewis Miley came on for Joe Willick again it just goes to show how light they were the fact that he only really used those three um, and he didn't really have any other options apart from the youngsters so it's a shame for Hall again I just, let's talk about Livermento because we haven't so far on the, on, the, on the pod and he was the real standout last night wasn't he he was the man of the match and I think um at a time like this, I know they've only got one game before the break and they'll hopefully have some more bodies back, but the fact that he effortlessly fitted into three different positions last night, such a positive for Eddie Howe to have. 100%. And I know you've been long calling for him to get into the side. And it's likely you, you would think Trippier at left back and Livermore right back against Bournemouth before the international break. But yes, Livermore, you know. I've seen some people saying he's been the best player over the last three games with the games he's played. He does look, he looks like a really, really good player. He's so young, he's going to be a big star. And the money they paid for, a lot of people laughed at it, but from what we've seen of him, he looks worth every single penny. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens if he gets a, a place in that team and keeps it, and when Dan Burns fit and raring to go. Because if, if, if he manages to play it right back, 
uh, you know, do you fear for Kevin Trippier at left back? Moon, if you cast to go out and buy a, a new a new left back in, in January. I don't know if I fear for Kevin Trippier. I think there's always going to be a place for Kevin Trippier as long as his legs are are allowing him to have that place. I think your prediction, which I'll admit, I'll hold my hands up, I completely scoffed at at the start of the season. I thought there's no way Tino Livermento was unseating Kieran Trippier within a year. But you never know. I mean, I know it's early days, but the last three games, he's now... I mean, how can he drop him now? Even if everyone's fit, how can he drop him? He's the most informed player in that team. He had that absolute blinder against Manchester City and he thought, how on earth is he going to top that? He went to Old Trafford and topped it. Then he thought, how is he going to top that? And he goes... He comes on against Arsenal and he goes to Signal Iduna Park in the Champions League and tops it again. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but do I feel in maybe a new fan club starting? Oh, Aaron there volunteering to be the founder and chairman of the Team Livermento fan club. When you look back on the performance, Newcastle and I, I think, just... I mean, look. I, like I said, I think they played well. I think they were good in, in certain elements with possession of the ball, but they should they need to be better to make a pay. And when they were out of possession, they struggled to deal with. I think Dortmund's press on the ball, and you just knew as soon as Dortmund hit them on the on the counter as well, they, they were going to struggle. But what, I mean, what's the remedy? I mean, is it just they're a good side and Newcastle are running on empty? Yeah, I think so. And look, Dortmund have been here, done it before. They'll go very, very close in the Bundesliga this season. Some of them players w- would, let's not let's not kid ourselves, would get straight in the Newcastle United team. Julian Brandt is absolutely fantastic. Um, Sabitzer, who didn't really show his best form at Manchester United, looked really good last night. I've already obviously spoken about Corbell. Um, they're just a team full of very experienced, very good players. And Idin Terzic got them playing some very good football when they when they get going. They haven't shown it too much in the last two games. But you can see they're a very, very fluid team. Um, and I think, yeah, look, Newcastle will have learned a lot from the two defeats. We, we were talking earlier in the week and we said, Eddie Howe doesn't really lose twice to the same team, does he? But he has done. Um, uh, but I think... Cool. But the, the, the positive, though, I think, again, I'll, I'll labour the point, is the fact that they weren't played off the park, they weren't thrashed, they weren't thumped. And I think if anyhow can channel that in the right way, as in you lost this game because you just weren't at your best, I think that's probably the, the medicine you need to ensure that at least be Bournemouth and then go into the international break on a high. Just how worried are you with the news Callum Wilson had to go off with a, with a, it was a hamstring, little little pull of the hamstring, wasn't it? Um, yeah, obviously, I am. I, I don't think we should really be that surprised. We knew as soon as Alexander Izak was facing a long a long spell on the uh, sidelines, we, we thought it was going to be a stretch for Wilson to play all five games. I know he hasn't started in all of them. Um, very, very good to see Izak back in training this week. Obviously, we've seen a little flashes of Gordon. He'll get better and better in that position if he's given more chances. Um, but it's definitely a worry and it's definitely a concern. They don't need any more injuries. Um, so hopefully it's just a little bit of tightness and he can maybe be wrapped up for Bournemouth and then, you know, goes again after the international break. So as I said at the start, there we are on a moving train and uh, I think the baby we were speaking about sounded either a bit tired or a little bit hungry. Or doesn't like our opinions. He doesn't like a podcast, probably doesn't subscribe at this young age. Um, and in context as well, our trainer's running 11 minutes late, which is not going to leave us very much time to catch our flight to Burnham. So 
By the time you guys are listening to this, we might still be stuck in Germany instead of back in the UK, which would not be fantastic. Um, a couple more questions, and then Aaron, just to finish off. Um, what was the experience like inside the stadium? Yeah, a really, really good experience. A, a bucket list item ticked off, I think you would say. Um, fantastic stadium. It does not look like it's 81,000, I must say. I think it's because the stands are very steep. Um, was very astonished. It's funny because I was walking the stadium quite early, probably two or three hours before kickoff. I was getting there, and there was a lot of fans walking to the ground. And I thought, okay, what's going on here? I mean, St James's Park. You see people rocking up thirty seconds to kick off. They've been having a beer. Came out into the stand for the before the war was even taking place, and the full yellow wall was just full of people stood there. They were in the seats that early. The players came out, the Dortmund players came out, the warm-up and the yellow war started bouncing. And, and as I said earlier in the show, that just continued throughout the game. A really, really good experience to see it in the flesh. Very good stadium, good to do a, a Champions League away game uh, in a ground like that as well. Um, and yeah, it just whets the appetite for more. And hopefully they can get a result at PSG and AC Milan to make sure that becomes a reality. Um. Just explain to our listeners as well, because you guys will know we were stopping what appeared to be very close to the hotel, but in reality it wasn't. We could see the hotel coming, you could see it from your hotel room, um, but it was a little bit further to what than you thought. Well, yeah, it's a thing. I thought, oh, OK, I can, I've, I've, I've opened my curtains and I can see the big yellow S, you know, statues outside, and I thought, OK, that's decent, that's walkable, and then it took a took me a good 35 40 minutes to walk through what i can only describe as the quietest residential area ever uh, no shops no food which wasn't very good last night when i was walking back to the hotel at about 11 o'clock um but very good and not too far as well from market square where we were yesterday i don't think we've actually spoken about this on a pod yet have we about what it was like i think you were there longer than me obviously i was there a couple of hours you spent pretty much the entire day there i suppose you can give the listeners a bit of a, a glimpse of what we experienced there with about five thousand drunk geordies it's five thousand the estimate i think that's a bit conservative yeah the distance to the stadium with Aaron's poor knee he wasn't having it but the uh i mean the, the, the market square was unbelievable such a good atmosphere i think the one thing i really want to just mention is the fact there was no bother whatsoever that you know the police were there in their numbers but they were on the outskirts of the, of the, of the crowd caught you know if they need to be called upon they were there but they didn't need to be called upon absolutely brilliant behavior from Newcastle United fans just a good party atmosphere it felt different to Trafalgar Square it felt very different just in terms of it didn't feel like we were grateful to be there it felt like you know this is this is our house and we're gonna we're gonna really enjoy this but we deserve to be here uh, and yeah it was just just a really good atmosphere the DJ knew exactly what he was doing bumped into Ryan Taylor Matty Longstaff was there as well Michael Chopra so everybody and anyone was that was there trying to get a, a you know just a taste of, of, the, of the experience and so many fans there just for the experience and it was a fantastic uh, few hours in the square really really was um, and, and 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 you know applauds to the Dortmund authorities as well for putting on food and for, for putting on the, the bars for people to buy stuff from uh, toilets as well very posh port uh, tremendous and it all just added kind of to to the warm welcome you, you cast that you got from 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 the Dortmund fans and, and residents see I'm not sure if we, if we end up using this clip on the YouTube the 25 minute YouTube video that we end up putting out but my favourite moment of the full afternoon was being stood near the stage about two or three hours into the celebrations people are getting a little bit merry uh, one very inebriated uh, German man sits in the middle of the uh, circle that's formed on the dance floor takes his top off 
I spin round and then 10 seconds later I spin back round with the camera and his checkered shirt has been replaced with a brown ale Newcastle United top and that just goes to show exactly what type of antics we're getting we're getting uh, laid on at the very front next to the stage don't worry it is in the 25 minute YouTube video clearly you've watched it all you guys if you haven't seen it go over watch it hit uh, subscribe yeah, um, like I say, a fantastic atmosphere in that ground uh, and then a fantastic atmosphere also in the square. Let's talk about the table then, Aaron. Uh, before I do that, I just want to also just briefly mention we talked about Callum Wilson's injury and I did stick three fingers up in the air to reference the need to buy a third striker. I thought you'd bite, but you didn't. Did you cast that need to buy a third striker? No. He said no just for you guys who didn't hear that. Uh, talk to me about the table then. Uh, and you cast the bottom of the group. Some feel PASG's defeat to AC Milan very bad news for Newcastle United some say well it opens the group up even wider regardless of where you stand Newcastle United need to win probably the next and last two games in this group yeah my initial thought last night was that I mean I left the stadium and Milan were 2-1 up against PSG and I thought okay that's a really bad result for Newcastle because the way I was looking at it was as long as AC Milan keep losing and still you know keep Newcastle United off the bottom happy days you hope elite to fall back on and then it, it actually got put to me, well, you know, is that not a good result? PSG losing, it means that, you know, the points are now 4 points, 5 points, 6 points, 7 points between the four teams. One win, and, you know, you know, Newcastle United could potentially be up to second again if they beat PSG next week. Um, so I, d I don't know. I, d I don't know how it really leaves the group. I, I know we're about half an hour in the podcast and I haven't sat on the fence yet, so maybe it is time to do that. Um, but I, I don't know, I don't know how I'm feeling. I was initially feeling a bit gutted. I wanted Milan to be sort of the whipping boys of the group. I thought it would maybe take the pressure off Newcastle going at the last game. But it depends what the aspirations are. Some people think, you know what, let's just let's just settle for the Europa League. We've got a better chance of winning it. Nice little final in Dublin, Dublin next May. Or do people think, no, no, we've got to keep going in the Champions League. I think Howe wants to keep going. I think the players will want to keep going. I think us as journalists probably would prefer trips to Champions League games to cover Champions League games. Um, but I don't know, but you hit the nail on the head, they've got to get something from PSG now, which I think they could easily do. They've shown it at home that they can do it. Milan last night completely rocked them. Um, and then, oh, I mean, already that game at St James's Park, 13th of December against Milan, is going to be huge. It certainly is. I think, you know, Newcastle United will want to get through to the Champions League the next stage. That's without question. Eddie Howe will want to win every game possible. For me, I think it's over. I think it's done. I think the best they can get out now is, is the Europa League. And I'm sorry to be so negative. I think I've been rather positive, actually, over the last couple of months, by my standards. But I do think um, it's pretty much done and dusted for the Champions League, unfortunately. If anybody's listening to this um, on their audio uh, platform, please clip that up. Andrew Musgrove saying he thinks it's done. Um, and send it to him on the 14th of December when you cast United have won the group. Thank you. Please do. I'm very, very happy to be held accountable for my opinions. Uh, also clip up the Tina Livermento opinion that he will be Newcastle United's number one right back uh, next season. But yeah, I just think the task is massive now. And the task is massive. And as much as I say we can't use excuses of injuries, the squad's still going to be battered uh, for the next two Champions League games. We're going through quite a few tunnels. My ears are absolutely popping here. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, but the, 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 you know, the experience here in Dortmund has been fantastic and again as I said earlier in the show I think Newcastle United look more than at home it's just a case it just it just wasn't their day yeah it wasn't but I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with you on on the fact it's over I think um, I think they can beat AC Milan at home quite easily I think I think 
will one win be enough? Maybe not, depending on the results. Actually, it probably won't be, but never write this Newcastle United side off. Eddie Howe will be listening to this podcast, as he, I'm sure, usually does, and thinking, OK, that's the perfect ammunition we need. There's no way that they're out of this yet. Um, but they've got to get someone at PSG. Yeah, maybe I'm just having a negative Wednesday, but he clearly did listen to the podcast because he's played Lewis Hall. Just before we go, I'm going to quickly get your, your thoughts on Bournemouth, how they have a quick turnaround. Just tell our listeners about when I joined you in the restaurant last night after the game and the highlights that were on the telly. And I, I, I got a little bit confused, didn't I? Yeah, so I was sat in the hotel doing a bit of work, um, enjoying my, my first beer of the holiday, was it, I think? Uh, I, I keep calling it a holiday. It wasn't a holiday, it was a work trip. Um, enjoying my first alcoholic drink of the trip and I was watching AC Milan versus PSG highlights in the bar and as Andrew walked in the room he saw Giroud score what turned out to be the winner but he thought that it was actually a live game and went oh god that goal's not very that's not very good for Newcastle is it and then it took you about what about 25 minutes actually to realise that the game was already done about two hours prior so he was you know nervously waiting for updates on his phone that PSG equalised when they were already on the team bus home I turned around and the clock had like jumped forward and I was like, how was it jumped forward? 70 odd minutes. But yeah, it's been uh, a very long day. Just finally the now. And is it a task for Eddie Howe to pick his team up ahead of Bournemouth? Um, no, I don't think so. I think they know where they're at. We know where they're at. They know that how stretched they are. I think they're going in that game with no pressure, no fear, knowing that they just need to get through it without any serious ailments. Um, but I don't think they'll need picking up. I think their Premier League form has been very, very strong this year. You know, despite the the result, the Dortmund result didn't knock them at all. And I don't think it will Saturday, but I think we're just going to be sitting watching through with fingers, thinking, no more injuries, please. <laughs> just looking at the screen there, uh, and we're going to have literally half an hour to belt it to the gate to get through security and to get to the gate. Goodness knows, we could be bringing you another special episode, Trapped in Germany. Special. But as it is, this has been the Everything is Black and White podcast. Thank you very much, guys, for tuning in and listening. Please subscribe, please follow, leave us a rating and review and share the pod again amongst your, your Cast United supporting friends and family. It's been a pleasure to bring you uh, the coverage for Newcastle United uh, Chronicle Live over here in Dortmund, in Germany. We hope you guys have enjoyed it and we'll catch you guys later in the week.